Welcome all here and welcome all on the Zoom. The Gemara says that someone that visits a Choyla, someone that visits a sick, a sick person, he takes away one sixtieth of his illness. This is Paskin in Shulchan Aruch, Yeridea, Simen Shin Namad Heisif Base, that even though visiting the sick takes away one sixtieth of the illness, you still have to visit. I.e., it's Mavu and Chazal that a Ben Giloy, that means in the Rishonim, either someone the same age as the Choyla, or someone the same muzzle as the Choyla, he's born in the same month, or something like that, has a certain connection with the ill person, that when he visits this ill person, he can take away one sixtieth of the illness. So he's actually bringing part of the illness upon himself by visiting the sick person. It's not just dis- disappearing. It goes over to the, to the ill person, to, to, the, to the well person. So why should he visit? There's a possibility to say that even so, he should visit. Now, if, if this is so, if this is so, that it takes away one sixtieth, why don't we just get sixty people to visit the ill person, and then he'll become completely better? So Chazar explained that it means, it, it, it rolls on in this way. The first person takes one sixtieth of the whole choli, the next person takes one sixtieth of what's left. One sixtieth of what's left, and therefore, he will always remain with the illness, just lesser proportion. There is a medrash, there is a medrash, rubber that seems to say that actually if one really loves the choyla, if one really is a yedid with the choyla, 60 such friends, which is very rare, to really, really love him kenafshoi, could take away the illness completely. That's what it says in medrash rubber in Vayikra. Either way, there is such a concept of going to visit the sick and taking away one sixtieth of the illness. And the question is asked, why does the one that's doing the mitzvah of deserve a punishment of receiving one sixtieth of the illness? It's very nice, he's helping the sick man, but why does he get a punishment? So Rietzel Zilberstein explains it very nicely, and I think today, in the times we live, on, we live in, we could appreciate this answer, a very beautiful answer. Thank you very much. I've made the shahakal already, so we don't have any shilas if you have to answer Omen on the Zoom. Okay, he says like this. He says, how does the body fight an illness? We all know, they put in us an injection with a little bit of the illness. That's, I'm not talking about now, normally, they put, they put an injection with some of the illness. The body gets used to fighting this illness. And then, if the illness comes to attack the person, the body already has these and is ready to fight it in, in, a, in, a bigger, in a bigger degree because it got used to it with the smaller amount. He says what it means when one goes to visit a choyla, one gets echod mishishi mecholyoy, is actually a schach. You only get one sixtieth of the illness. Getting one sixtieth of the illness allows the body to get used to this illness without it being damaging. And then, if chas v'sholem, the illness visits this person, he already has the antibodies to be able to battle this uh, illness. So that's the schah of Hamavaka Choyla. So actually, in this week's Sedra, before we go on to some halachic topics, 
In this week's Sedra, there's a remez, there's a beautiful remez. It's brought by the, there's a Sefer Kabbalah called the Mava Yavoik, and also a Hasidish Sefer called the Imre Noya. <laughs> so he says like this, the beautiful, beautiful remez. It says, when Yosef comes to visit Yaakov Avinu, when he's not well, it says, just one second, Memches Aleph. It says, Okay, so Yosef goes with his two sons, as we know, and it says, Yaakov Avinu strengthens himself and sits on the bed. So these Tvarim say, Hine is Gematria 60. When a person's ill, he has 60 Chalokim of illness. As Chazal say, with 60 chalokim to the illness. But then Yosef visited him. And Yosef was a ben giloi, a ben mazloi, with Yaakov Avinu. He had the same face. He had mustiuk noishal aviv. Everything that happened to Yaakov happened to Yosef. They had something in common. Therefore, by Yitzchazek Yisrael, Yisrael got better when Yosef came to visit. By Yeshev al Hamito, Hamito's gematria, 59. Because after Yosef visited him, he took away Echod, Meshishim, Echoliyoy, and therefore Hamito, he was, went from Hine to Hamito, he was left with 59. They're very beautiful remez in this, etc. Okay, the first Shaila I'd like to address today, we'll go through a few. The first Shaila is as follows. What's the halacha if someone has a mako on his arm? He has a wound on his arm and he needs to put filling on. What does he do? He's got a bandage there and there's a chatzitza between the tefillin and his guf. What should he do? A second such shayla is if someone has a wound on his head and he has a bandage on his head. How does he put tefillin on? A third shayla could be, doesn't have to be in the case of illness, sometimes people hair all out. And they'll be wearing a wig. Is there an Eitzah for such a person to put tefillin on? So actually, surprisingly, with regards to the Rutuas, there's much less Hakpada about Chatzitza. Specifically, once you've got enough length in the Rutuah to get from the Kshira to the finger without doing Krichas, then Krichas are even more Kuladik. And therefore, there's more leeway regarding the Rutuas. However, Ashai is regarding the bias itself. Can it go on the bandage on the head, or on the bandage on the arm, or on the head? So, the halacha is, it's brought in Simachov Zayn, Sif Dalad and Sif Hay, that yes, you can put the tefillin on the bandage, as long as it's a thin bandage, and there is a shitter in the Rishonim, the Rashba, that... There is no halacha of chatzitza by tefillin. When it says, Bein echo, lo oisal yodecho, it doesn't mean put it on. It means 
the area that should be. But can have a chatzitza. And therefore, although we don't paskin like the Rashba, in times of need, where a person has a bandage over there, do not wear tefillin. Put the tefillin on the arm, put the tefillin on the head. But a bracha don't make, because we can't rely on the Rashba totally to make a bracha. Rather, there's two cases that Pais can talk about. If one's putting it um, on the bandage on a head, then you make a lahoniach on the shaliyad and that's it. And if one's putting on a bandage on the arm, but on the head it's going on normally, you say two brachas on the shoroish, and your machavan for the shaliyad and your yoitza. What the longest in that is a sugim menachas. But again, if one has a bandage on the arm, one puts it on the arm anyway, one makes two brachas on the shoroish, and one is yoitza tefillin. If one has a bandage on the head, then one makes a bracha on the shaliyad only lahoniach, and is machavan also for shalrosh, but doesn't make a bracha on the shalrosh. With a wig, obviously, would suggest to the person at home to first put it on properly, on his yad and on his rosh, and make the bracha like it needs to be. But if he wants to come to shul, then he'll put it on afterwards on the shalyad, and on the shalrosh, he'll put on top of the wig and not make a bracha on, on the shalrosh. But in order to be yotza properly, all the shittas at home, there's no reason that he shouldn't put on the tefillin uh, on his head properly. What about them? What brachas do they make, etc.? Okay, so that's we're using them. We're using their psak in this case. Ah, but still, you want to wear the tefillin without chatzitza. Some shittas of the Roshonim is that tefillin have a problem of chatzitza. Now, there is an interesting shaila. It's a bit hard to understand how it's true l'halacha. But there is an interesting shaila. Various poskim have had to deal with this shaila. When someone becomes a Baal Tshuva, so beforehand he was, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't from and he was getting up to all sorts of things. So one of the things people do is they put tattoos on themselves. So there was this chap that had a tattoo in the Mokum Tefillin. And the tattoo, shall we say, wasn't Bakovadik. Right? So he asked the B'Tselech Chochma, what should he do about Tefillin? He had various problems. One was he was embarrassed. So, you know, he opens his arm up every morning to put his Tefillin on and there's that tattoo. Um, second of all, it could be maybe Lidei Hero. But third of all, and this really was the Shaila, can you put tefillin in such a place? Like, on a tattoo. So, the Betzela Chochma, interestingly, says it's the same halacha as mezuzah. Can't put, there's whole discussions in certain rooms whether you put a mezuzah, because noshim are not tznuah, there, it's their dressing room, etc. And Meila, it's not a place, not covered for mezuzah to put it there. He says the same is true with these pictures, and it's very hard to understand, because... It's not real, it's just a picture. But he says it's not covered, it's been Zoyan's for him to put the, to put Fulham there, and he holds it's awesome. He holds it's awesome. He brings the Chasim Soifer in Chuvas, in Chelek Vov, that someone once made a nice Shem Hashem to be placed in, like, the Knisa to the Besa Knesses. Zeasha la Hashem, Tzadikim Yivoyivoy. A Rosha came, and he stuck it on the Knisa to the Besa Kisei. And they had a problem because it was done in such a way that you could not take it off unless you did Mechikas Hashem. 
you had to scrape out the name of Hashem, which is awesome. And Chassam Sofer Paskant, scrape out the name of Hashem and don't leave it there, Mutl Bebezoyan on the Knis of the Beisa Kisei. So you see how Chomo is Bezoyan has for him. And therefore, he held, you cannot put Tefillin on such a thing. And he discusses if you're allowed to paint over it with more tattoo to rub out the tattoo. And his discussion is obviously, but you can't make a tattoo. But maybe it's not called making a tattoo because it's already anyway tattooed. So that's not called making a tattoo. It's just destroying a tattoo. And that's the whole discussion over there. And that's not for now. But with our halacha, at least for the bandage, for now, until he doesn't, for now that he hasn't put the tattoo on the tattoo, what should he do? So I would have thought he should put it on top of this picture, and it's just a picture. And uh, he has tshuva to do, etc. But it's just a picture and cover it quickly, etc. But the Vatela Chochma didn't hold that way. So I guess according to him, meanwhile, he'd have to put a bandage. And as we've learned, there are shittas in the Rishonim, that's not a chatzitza, and therefore you could put it on, and on the Shoroi she'll make two brochas and be mechavan to be moitzi the shaliyad. That would be another eitzah that comes out of a choyli halacha for a non-choyli halacha of a tattoo. But I would have, personally, I would have thought that uh, it's not real. It's just a, it's just a drawing. That's what I would have thought. Let's go on to the second shayla, which will be connected to the first shayla. So Akaponim, let's just be mesakim. We said if someone has a bandage on his head, I'm just taking one of the examples, we said... He, uh, he should leave it there and put the tefillin on top of the bandage. Why don't we tell him, take off the bandage, put the... T- It'll hurt you for a bit. We're not talking about Choy Lishesh B'Sakona. It'll hurt you for a bit. Tough luck. Do your mitzvah and then put your bandage back on. Mishabura says, we don't tell someone to be nizuk, to be harmed from the mitzvah of tefillin. Keep the bandage and put it on top of the bandage and do the brocha the way the post can say to do it. So it's interesting. We don't say, you know, Go that extra mile, and even if you get harmed a bit, do the mitzvah. We don't say that. Does that mean to, to yes to it? I'm not sure. We're, I'm gonna, we'll see the discussion, and we'll see how we come out, but I'm not sure. Let's go on to another shayla. It's much more, um, much more of a defined shayla of harm and healing and, and a mitzvah, and then we'll come back to this shayla. Avni Nezah in Hilchas Mila, in Simon Shinchof Aleph, has the following Shaila. A child was born with a crooked leg. And the doctors said, the only way to heal this leg is to do some sort of procedure. He calls it an operation, but we'll see, it doesn't really mean an operation. Some sort of procedure. And to put this child's leg into some sort of casts, which will eventually cause, it will mold and into a different way, and he'll have a leg that will be straight. The only problem is, he has Mila on the eighth day. Now, if they do the Mila, they will not be able to do this procedure for a while. And meanwhile, his leg will harden, and the cast will have no effect. However, if they do the cast, they'll have to do it either before the Mila or after the Mila, but then they can't do the Mila, Bismana. They'll be able to do the Mila one day, but not Mila Bismana. So Shaila is, I have now mixed Mila to do, Okay, his leg will be harmed for life, but not because of the Mila, just because they didn't do the procedure. Do we say Mitzvah's Mila takes precedence, and I've got to do Mitzvah's Mila? The Mila didn't harm him, he's just left with no Eitzah, but he has no way to heal his leg. Or do we say no? I'm not going to tell him to do a Mitzvah, which the effect of this Mitzvah will be 
Although the mitzvah didn't cause it, but the effect will be that he has a limp for the rest of his life. Would a mitzvah be mechaev such a thing? This is the question. And it's a good question if you think about it. That although it doesn't sit well with us, that he should remain, you know, with a limp for the rest of his life. But after all, now a mitzvah stands before him. And the mitzvah isn't actually causing him harm. So should he do the mitzvah or not? Says Amnineza, two reasons why he shouldn't do the bris. Is a question on the eighth day or on the second day? Again, say again. Are you asking the shayla on the eighth day when there's a feast? Ah, very good. So he's going to come to that. So Amnineza says, if the truth is with the doctors, stress, if the truth is with the doctors, that you can't do the bris and the procedure, because sometimes they don't find the procedure important, the bris important. So they say, no, don't do the bris. Uh, you know, not if they would really weigh up what a bris is, then maybe they would say, yeah, you can do the bris and we'll also manage to do the procedure. So first you have to know if that doctor that's telling you is, has weighed this up properly. But if he has, then he says for two reasons, you shouldn't do the bris of his mother. Reason number one is there's halacha that you're not meant to pay more than a fifth of your money for a mitzvah. Up to a fifth. He says, being harmed for the rest of, the, of your life is more than a fifth. It's way more than a fifth. There's a lot of details there. There are some things that they discuss, let's say, eating certain matzah on Pesach. It could be certain halachas. Um, we do demand you to give more than a fifth. So there's discussions on those certain halachas, how far you have to go with health as well. But that's not for now. So his first answer is, you don't spend more than a fifth on a mitzvah, and if you don't spend more than a fifth on a mitzvah, yes, do the procedure, miss the bris of because you don't need to remain with a crooked leg for the rest of the life, which is way more than a fifth of a person's money. By a person, it's valuable that he has good legs. Second answer is, that if you're on day two, and you're asking the shaila, then there actually isn't a bris yet. There's no halacha of bris today on day two. Day eight there's a bris. Day two there isn't. Day eight the doctor's pass can do a procedure. Do it. Sorry, day two. The doctor's pass can do a procedure, so do it. However, if you come and ask the shayla on day eight, it's more complicated, he says, because you have a clash here of mila and the operation. He says that would be more complicated. That was better to go ahead and do it before the mitzvah, and then the mitzvah will be pu- pushed off automatically because now he's a chayla. He's in a situation that he can't do the bris, and, and, and that would be easier. Not so simple in Londus, if any, if you should remember from Yeshiva days, and there's a Toysus Rid that asks, why do we need a posuk to say women are, don't do mila to their children? Tepekle, it's a mitzvah say, shaz mangroma. It's mangroma. It's on the eighth day, it's not at night. So why do we need a posuk to mimayat noshim? Says Toysus Rid, you're making a mistake. Mitzvah Mila is people, parents, doing it to their child. So it's not on them. The baby's mitzvah is on the eighth day. But the parents that have to do it, their mitzvah is to, to get their son to have a Mila. Therefore, it's from the beginning, from birth, until the actual Mila happens, they're constantly involved in arranging the moil, the suda, and whatever else is needed for the Mila. So Yoimam Valayla is Mitzvah's Mila. So it's not true that it's only on day eight. Already on day one, or day two, when the doctors pass and they have to do the procedure, they're clashing with a Mitzvah's Mila that the parents have to make ready now that on day eight the baby has the Mila. So that's a, that's a discussion um, of Pilondus, whether, whether we go with this Avnineza or not. The Avnineza pass yes to do the Mila. However, 
some in brackets. Mm-hmm. Yes, to do the procedure. Apologies, yeah. Now, Abinazer in brackets, by the way, says, it's not for all doctors and not for all times, but he says, the doctor said that the procedure is okay, it's an operation and it's okay. He says, operation for a crooked leg, he would never be matziah. Because he doesn't believe the doctors when they say that all will be alright. He says, and so made, the operations are dangerous. And for a crooked leg, it's not kadai an operation. For sakona, it's kadai, not for a crooked leg. So again, medicine is advanced and doctors and the doctors you can rely on, but he didn't personally rely on the doctor when he said they'll be okay with an operation. But he said with this child, since it's not a real operation, it's just some sort of procedure with casts, he would allow it. That was his, uh, that was his tzak. Now, Shlomo Zalman says, you see from here, from this case of Mila, you see that we don't demand you to do a mitzvah if it's going to harm you. You have a mitzvah, it's going to harm you, don't do it. He says that's exactly the same as the tefillin where we don't demand you to take the bandage off because it's going to harm you and hurt you. And therefore, we don't say take the bandage off. We find the shit in the Rishonim that you can put the tefillin on top of your bandage. I found that comparison very hard to swallow because here, as the Arminezer said, by the child's leg, he's going to be damaged for life. That's worth more than a choymash. As opposed to taking off the bandage and putting the tefillin on the head which will harm you somewhat while you're wearing it and, you know, give a headache... Maybe we do demand that you should take the bandage off and put the twillin on top of that on top of that wound, even if it hurts for a while. We have to define if it's going to leave a scar or it's going to, leave, you know, with a headache for a year. Then okay, it's the same as a leg. But if it's just a pain, a headache, that's not so simple. The comparison. I'll bring this out. There is a there is discussion in the Achronim. What happens if one is mitzvah when one is being mekayim a mitzvah? There's tzah, but there's a kiyo mitzvah. So not, he's going to remain with a limping leg for the rest of his life. He's going to be in pain now when he does this mitzvah. Um, he's, you know, we have an example in the, in the Gemara of someone, one of the Tanoim, or Amaroim, that drank wine on, on Seder night and he had a headache till Shuas, right? And he did it. So... One has to know, but uh, sukkah, yes, yeah, so I'm going to come to that. The Gileyoyne Ashas in Brochus Tavches brings a radvaz that says someone that's not feeling well does not have to do Shnai Mikrovech Targum. Why? Mitztaya Potter. Mitztaya Potter. So the Gileyoyne Ashas says, I don't understand. Mitztaya by sukkah, you know why it's Potter? Not because there's a kula that if you have tsar, you're Potter. The reason why you're Potter by Mitztaya by a sukkah is because Teishu Ka'entaduru. You gotta live, this place has to be livable the way you would live at home. And even if there's flies in a way that's gonna disturb you strongly, you maybe don't have to live there because you wouldn't live there at home. And if it's dripping rain, you don't have to live there because that's called mitzvah. Now, if you are doing some mitzvah and it happens to be raining on your head, you're not potter from the mitzvah. It's just showing you that's not a way of living. And teshu can't duru. But how can we learn from there that mitzvah potter and amitzvah? Also, if someone has, is not feeling well. Yeah, he's not feeling well. We said he doesn't have to do Shnai Mikvech Targum because he's Potter Min because he's Mitzvah. By the way, if he's not feeling well and he doesn't feel better at home than in the Sukkah, he has to go to the Sukkah. So we see, Mitzvah is not Poiter from the Sukkah. It's, it's Poiter from the Sukkah if it makes that you can't live there. But if you're at home, have a headache as much as in the Sukkah having a headache, then go to the Sukkah. Obviously, if you're you know, that Neufel Limiter is a different story, but Mitzvah per se doesn't Potter. 
So it's very hard to understand the comparisons. This is what Rosh Zaman is sort of saying. You know, don't put your tefillin under the bandage because you're mitzayah. Who said there's such a ptor of mitzayah? A third shayla. Moving on to a third shayla. Which is slightly different. We've spoken about till now not doing a mitzvah if it's going to cause harm. Now we're going to go the other way around. Maybe not to do a mitzvah sometimes if there's bizoya. If one gets embarrassment from doing this mitzvah. Now that's very hard to understand such a question. We know David HaMelech was makaka b'chol oiz in front of the Arna Kodesh. He danced with all his might. And then his wife told him off. And she got punished that she couldn't have children after that because she, because she told him off that she, that he embarrassed himself. It's not embarrassment. You're meant to do lechvayd Hashem something below your dignity, which is dignifying and is respectful of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's why we find the Amoraim they used to do on Shabbos. They used to prepare for Shabbos. They used to prepare for Shabbos, and it's brought in Shulchan Aruch Harav. You should dafka do something that's below your dignity. Let's say below your dignity to wash the floor. You go and wash the floor, Lechavayi Shabbos, because that shows that there's something more respectful than you, because Baruch Hu, and, and that's what you're serving. So, the shine is like this. Shalom Kluger brings, we know, the Gemara says, if someone's in, in, is in danger, someone's, let's say, drowning, Shalom in a river, so you have to say, where do we learn this from? We learn it from Ashavas Aveda. The body, returning the body to the person is Ashavas Aveda. And therefore, you have to save the person. Says the, says Rashleim Kluga, what we find by Shavas Aveda, there's a concept of Enoi Lefi Kvoidoi. Right? If you wouldn't pick up for yourself this thing, your, someone's handkerchief. If I lose my handkerchief, I won't go and find it and pick it up. It's already below me to pick that up. I'm not going to pick someone else's handkerchief and give it back to him. Because if it's below my dignity for me, then I don't have to do it for him. He says the same thing as with someone's life. Since it's learned from Ashavas Aveda, if it's below my dignity to save myself in this situation, then I don't have to save someone else in this situation. Now, I'm not saying this Allah Cholamaisa, yeah, get this very clear. I'm just saying to you, Shloim Kluga, yeah, just for the Gishmak, not for Halacha, right? So he says such concept, and what would be an example? They discuss it. Some say, some say a big tzaddik saving a woman would be way beyond him, beyond his idea. Again, I, di- I didn't say it, Klichendo said it, um, and he doesn't like it. I'm just telling you what he says. And others will explain it like this. What happens if someone's undressed, he's in the bath, he's having a bath, and suddenly he needs to save someone? That's all I remember. He's completely undressed and he needs to save someone. Can he put his clothes on and then go and save someone? Now that extra minute or two might be a matter of life and death. Or does he have to run like that in the streets and go and save the person? It's a good question. The question is, what would he do for himself? And you'd be surprised. Uh, what people would do for themselves. Some people would run and save themselves. And some people would be below their dignity and they'll, they'll wait one minute, put a cloak on, there's a fire, they'll still put something on, even though it means that they might die because of it. You'd be surprised. I mean, should, no one should have such an asylum. But you'd be surprised there is such a concept that a person's pride can kill him. Can kill him. Uh, someone told me, Zimman told me, that Rabbi Shalantar said, um, most people don't die of hunger, they die of gaiva. So, there is such a concept. 
um, we have in Chazal, money is more important to him than his life. People fight for their money. When a robber comes, they fight and they die. We just run away, give up. No, they, they worked on this and they can't. There is such a concept. So were it to be true by a person, so that that bizoyan, um, that he wouldn't want to be sold for himself, also allows him to wait that minute when he's, when he's saving his friends as well. Again, not halacha lamaisa. I don't know the halacha lamaisa. So the same shayla comes in various forms and ways. Um, there is a sefer that clears. Okay, a, that, that's the same shayla. But he puts it like this. Tosa says, you're not allowed to be mavazat malbim pnei chaver barabim. And he brings it as a tzadis. You have to be yarg val yavor, not to be malbim pnei chaver barabim. It's mamash like the gimel averus. Like we see Tomo was ready to go in the fire. Mamash, but literally, not just agoda. Tosa has a tzad that it's yarg val yavor. So the Swaram Ma'ul then, does one have to save someone that's about to be shot, but he will be embarrassed when he saves him. If you save him, you'll have to come in a way that you will be embarrassed when you save him. Well, do you have to? He's also being shot. Because someone that's embarrassed is called being killed. So much so, it's one of the Gimel Averis, according to Tosis and Soit Tafyud. Now obviously you could be Mechalak. That the person being shot is shot forever. Masha'enkin, the person embarrassed, it's a killing, but he lives after the killing. So maybe he should save. Yeah? So this is something to think about. Rav even has a tshuva. A koyan that kills is not allowed to duchen. Right? Yedechem, domim, milu, you're not allowed to duchen. What happens if a koyan embarrasses someone in public? Is he allowed to duchen? According to Toysus, that holds its mamashu retzicha or rayat yarig v'aliyavoy, yeah, it's only according, I'm not saying halach lamaisa, would he be allowed to duchen? He has a tzad, he would be, because yedechem, domim, milu, and here you used your mouth or something else, but uh, this is the discussions. The orch Yes, Yekesh uh, even he declares that maybe if one's life is at stake, someone has a gun to someone's head, and the only way he could be saved would be to embarrass someone good and proper. There's a crowd there, a thousand people, and he says this information, they won't shoot him, but Yenem is going to have to hide in his house for a good few months. Can he or can't he? Oh, matter of life, of course he can. I, I, I didn't see the whole tshuva, but I think his nati is he can't. Because Malbub Nechaver Barabim. So it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, so that's the Rabshleim Kluger, where sometimes embarrassment stands in the way of, of saving someone. And again, Halacha I can't tell you, but that's what he says, that if it's Eino Lefi Kvoidoi, one doesn't have to go out necessarily to save him. Um, when I said, I was discussing this once with Rav Zimman, this, this Rav Shlomo Kluger, so I said, it's like, sounds a very strange svara. See, he told me, you mustn't say about Rav Shlomo Kluger a strange svara, because the Chaznish says that Rav Shlomo Kluger, in his door, was one of the biggest materium of Agunas, with all his, with interesting svaras. Says, the Chaznish said, if you start saying about Rav Shlomo Kluger's svaras, interesting svaras, check up your line. Because maybe you are one of the heterium of his svaras. <laughs> you can't just mach it avek. You should know also there's a very interesting thing about the Rav Shlomo Kluger. Baron Leib Steinman writes that Rav Shlomo Kluger was be'etem, no chance of coming out of him something. He was a yosem both from his father and his mother. He was brought up by a blind person. He used to, they used to go together for, for marketplaces. He would lead the blind person because he could see and the blind person would sell things and that was going to be him until the the Dubna Magid found him and brought him up. And from Shlomo Kluger, 
There's no one else that brought out so many svarim in Klal Yisrael. There are over 500 svarim, and they're still printing today. So, he says, you see, how you cannot know which child is going to be the child that will light up Klal Yisrael, and never to dismiss the qualities of each Yiddish child. thing that Rezimman told me was that during the war, the beginning of the war in Germany, the Nazis, Yemach Shemam Zichrom, used to like to take out um, people, Rabbonim specifically, from their beds at midnight, something like that, and parade them around town, obviously kill them as well, but the point was the rabbis in pyjamas. So he said, Rav Shimon Schwab, during that kufi, used to go to bed in the frack and dressed Rabbonish, so there shouldn't be a, a shif, a, a bizoyan of Kvoid HaRabonus, if, if it were to arise such a situation. Also, coming out of this Rav Shlomo Kluge is another Shaila, should never happen, and that is if someone commits suicide, right? Do you have to save someone that's committing suicide? And since it's to do with Hashavah's Aveda, well, if he throws out an Aveda in the street and doesn't want it, then you don't necessarily have to save the person, right? So, so too, if a person commits suicide, you don't necessarily have to save him because they're throwing away their life. That's one opinion in the Rishonim. Another opinion is no. Maram Rottenberg holds no. The person doesn't belong to himself. He belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, he has no right to throw away his life. And if you have to save them, because you have to be meishiv the Hashem Savedah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Goyim also has such a concept. King Rudolf of Germany, in the 1200s, he held that all the Jews... Was, uh, don't, they're servants of his. Why? Because he held he was Yorish, he inherited the Roman Empire, he held the Holy Empire was Germany at the time, and he inherited the Empire, and therefore, he held that all the Jews were sub, were avodim of his, and they don't have a right to go wherever they want. And that is why Maramba Rottenberg himself, who passed him just now, that person's suicide is not, it, one has to save him because he doesn't own himself, that's why he put the Maramba Rottenberg in prison. Because Maram Rothenberg fled Germany to go to Eretz And he said, you're not allowed to flee from Germany because you're my Eved. And therefore you go to prison for fleeing. Yeah, because you're my subject and you have no right to go to Eretz And that's why he ended up in prison. And and he himself did some sort of mysterious nefesh there famously. Right, he didn't let people save him. We're talking about people saving. He didn't let people save him. Because uh, they wanted to ransom him. It was in 1286. He was put in the Wasserberg Fortress. And they wanted to ransom him for £20,000 silver. And he refused. And the Amshah Shloimer in Mesechus Gittin is Matama. Why did he refuse? The Aloha is that though you're not allowed to pay over for a regular person, but for a godla you're allowed to. So why did he refuse? He said maybe he was an honor and didn't hold himself a godla He said it wasn't worth being an honor for that. He lost out on so much learning, stuck in the prison. So why? The answer is, says the Amshah Shloimer, he understood that if, if with one rabbi they get such a success, they'll start capturing all the rabbi on him. And then there'll be no Torah left in Klal Yisrael. So he held the bitl Torah of himself being stuck in prison was worthwhile, it was most nefesh, was worthwhile for the rest of Klal Yisrael. Now, we're going to go on to the last thing. And I'm not talking about Corona. Okay? So, nothing to do, I'm talking something historic. Just very interesting. It, I met, I bumped into this at the beginning of the Corona. Obviously, everyone's looking for Marmachonus in this situation, and we would rather look for Rafuas and Yeshuas and all Kalish should be well. But I just share with you some very interesting Marmachonus, which are interesting and historic and have nothing to do with that. In Shailas of Chuvas Ramot, Simon Khof, he brings a Shaila where someone came to, a couple came 
to a house that they made already a settled an agreement we're allowed to rent here. And uh, the deal was done. We're renting here. And then the Balabas said, uh, uh, she's got this illness. She is not coming into my house. You may have heard this. There's some extra... Yes, extra no, okay, I'm gonna, there'll be some extra condition. Um, so you're, you're not allowed in here. You're not allowed in here. Because it's uh, dangerous. It's contagious. So Ramar Paskins, he cannot back out from the deal. He says, he says a few things. He says, first of all, is the... Um, he says, it's in the air anyway. Many people in the city have it. So when you make a deal, you know that this is one of the people that might come in. And anyway, he says, no such thing as a choyle amistabek. There's no such thing as a catchy illness. Whoever's worried says such a thing. Hashem makes a person ill. Hashem makes a person better. And if it was true there's a catchy illness, then it should say, no, speak a choyle. You cannot go to visit a choyle in a catchy illness. We already spoke about one sixtieth of the illness coming over. But it doesn't say more. And therefore, you're allowed... Um, they cannot back off from this deal, and, and, and there's no such thing. That's what he says. The problem is, there's Gomorrahs, that there are catchy illnesses, there's something called Vardum, it's Gomorrah in the Dorim, that there is a catchy illness. The Ramon himself in Yeridea says, that one should run away from a city that has a, uh, that has a plague. And the Piskei Tshuva asks, why should you run away? It's already Paskin Rosh Hashanah, who will die, who will live? So the answer is, says the Divriyat, yeah, but there's a Shtadlus, so it's Paskin Rosh Hashanah, who will live, who will die, but it's also Paskin that you meant to run away, to live. And therefore, even if there's a Rosh Hashanah, one can still run away. Obviously, in today's situation, there's no to run. But uh, we're to, again, as I said, we're talking historically. Now, Marami Padova had a Shaila where there was a Talmud that was paying his Rebbe to teach him. They lived in Venice. And he was paying his Rebbe to teach him uh, Torah. Then the plague came. So he ran away. And the six months or whatever, when the Talmud came back, said, I want my money for the last six months. You ran away. I didn't run away. I was ready to teach you. Owe me money. So the Marami Padova says he's Potter. Why? Because since the Talmud was scared, the more scared you are in a catchy illness, the more dangerous it is, and therefore he's right to run away. And therefore he doesn't have to pay. Now, the Ramah himself wrote his sefer called Mechir Yayin on the Megillus Esther when he ran away from Krakow to Shidalov because it was a plague. So you see, he himself ran away because of a plague. That's not Stira. Because he may have held that in the air there's this illness, but not necessarily catchy from person to person. I'm almost finished. In Nishmas Kolchai from Rukhan Palaji, he brings though that there is catchy illnesses, he brings from from the wife of Stoy, from the wife of Loit, it says in the Rambana Rabbeinu Bachai, that she caught what was going on in Stoim, and that's why she died when she looked back. The Roshonim say, don't look, because it's catchy, when you look at Stoim, don't look, that's what the Malachim was saying. So he says, he doesn't understand the Ramal that says there's no such thing as a catchy illness, and he says there was a doctor that obviously dealt with all the people with the plague. So the people in shul demanded the doctor is not allowed to come to shul. The rest of shul can come. The doctor can't come to shul. Why? Because he's touchy. He's dealing with all the old people. And Chaim Palaji said the halacha is like them. The doctor's not allowed to come to shul. Now obviously the biggest shail is, why does the doctor, is the doctor mechoyev to look after the people that have a catchy illness? Right? So that is obviously the truest about it. If one has to give up their arm in order to save someone's life, etc. This is like much further than Shalom Kluger. Yeah, there's a lot of raid about that, but I can't go That's into that on one leg. Okay, so he's spoken about it, very good. So, that, yeah. Um, and just Rashi Prokim, and I finish. Uh, it's like this. The, there was a Shaila during World War II, the Mishnah Schir talks about it. There was a Shaila during World War II. He wanted to make a seum when he finished the Masechta, like it's meant to be. Meat, wine, etc. And they were Chaylok, it's not the right time now. We can't come together. It's not, it's not a good idea. He was Bechal Toikov, got to make the Suda and the Siyam. It's Faket. It's Ma'eris Chusim and it will be in battle, the Gezerah. 
Lemaisa, I think he drank the wine, he ate the meat, they came, and the shadows of the white people from the outside, a whole discussion. In it, he brings a letter that during the cholera, where the doctors passed and you shouldn't come together. Again, cholera is a different illness than today, so I'm not talking about today. The doctor says you shouldn't come together because it's catchy. They had the shaylif to make the suddhas mitzvah of the chevra kedisha. And they, it makes the hachnosis, the money for the chevra kedisha, and they passed in yes. And all the, he says that all the gedolim of the time passed in yes, even though the doctor said it's misnagged to the briyas to come together, and they said on it, shoyma mitzvah, doyeh davara. So we went up this, Certain shikulim when, yeah, we're not, we don't know, and again, the situation today is different from then, and yet Hashem, Mishibzoicha, that all these things should be of our bottle, and Mishibzoicha, to refuse and Yeshua.